This is the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 216, Healing Through Dance, Meditation, and Movement. Hello there, and welcome to session number 216 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. My name is Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. Even though we are coming out of this pandemic, it seems like yesterday, and it also seems like a lifetime ago, when things were shut down and we were navigating and trying to figure things out. Regardless of circumstances, life requires us to navigate change and to figure things out. As I've been reflecting on my journey coming back to dance in 2014 after two decades of giving it up, it didn't dawn on me that dance has been a huge component of my healing process in dealing with the negative relationship I had with myself and in turn how that affected my relationship with others. During the pandemic, I had a delightful exchange with dancer, choreographer, somatic and creative recovery coach Morgan Denae, and I am happy to share this conversation that reminded me of the healing and meditative benefits of dance and movement. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. We dance for laughter. We dance for tears. We dance for madness. We dance for fears. We dance for hopes. We dance for screams. We are the dancers. We create the dreams. A wonderful quote by Albert Einstein. I am so thrilled to bring on my guest today, who is a dancer and embraces and embodies all these things that we go through as dancers and artists. She is a choreographer. She's a recovery coach mentor. She is awesome. (laughs) I'm coming to find out. She does all these cool things with dance and movement and breath work. And she's a massage therapist. She's a holistic fitness trainer. She's been able to encompass her background in dance and movement to this wonderful offering of things that help women of all ages. Morgan Denae supports women with a creative spirit to reclaim, transform, and express their unique inner core beauty and power. You can find her at morgandenae.com, M-O-R-G-Y-N-D-A-N-A-E.com, and I will link her information in the show notes. Morgan, are you ready to go? I'm so thrilled to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Annette. It's wonderful to be here. You know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how dance is really a wellness recovery road modality, whatever you, you know, there's so many descriptions that go way beyond movement and choreography and performance and, you know, five, six, seven, eight, which, you know, we both are very much about that as well. But, um, before we go into that, I want to go back into your childhood a little bit. I found out that you grew up with uh, listening to Dave Rubeck Quartet. Yeah. And I want to know, you know, just a little bit about how that influenced your movement into music. And then your mother was an actress as well. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in a, in an artistic household. Like how did that, how did that 
inform how you developed as a dancer and an artist? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, yeah, it was just always there. I, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, <clears throat> you know, which is a jazz city, um, jazz and blues. And my uh, parents are both artists. And my father was a jazz musician, um, not by profession, but he was a he was an English teacher, creative writing and a writer as well. But um, so, you know, jazz was in the house, um, you know, he was part of the jazz community and more so of course, before I was born that he, you know, became a family man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so yeah, jazz was there. My mom, uh, my mom's British. She's from London and just always loved, you know, the Beatles. That was another staple in our house. And so, yeah. Um, and I was born in 1968 too. So I was growing up in the, uh, you know, late sixties or early seventies. And, um, it was just a an energy, you know. I love, I love that. I I love the influence of jazz, you know. I I'm. It's funny because yes, jazz in you know, say Dave Rubeck for one wonderful example influenced me because it was in the house. Um, so it was classical music, you know. He, my dad played the piano as well and sang opera, and so music. I mean, it was just creative expression was just there. You know, it was just a part of it, but I, I actually never became a, you know, studied jazz dance <laughs> itself, <laughs> very different, but yeah. So I, I, you know, it's kind of funny, like, it's interesting to step back and look at it too, because it's, if it's just kind of the way you were raised, it's just what you were around, then it's just what you like. I mean, I thank goodness I liked it, um, but it was just a part of a part of my world. I saw a picture of you that took me back to when I started, when I was eight in Tahitian and Hula, there was this Polaroid picture you, you posted on Instagram oh, yeah. about, yeah. So wh what was that? Like, did you do Hula and Tahitian or was oh, that like? So that was, <laughs> that was a picture of me in like, I think I was in uh, sixth grade and mm -hmm. that was, I actually, well, it's interesting. That was, that Part of that post was also recognizing that as children, we see things, we know things, and we're drawn to things. You know, we have dreams, we have, um, you know, passions, and we're we're kind of always receiving messages from spirit, of course, all of our lives. And children being so open, you know, um, that we we pick up on those things. So that picture actually um, was kind of a foreshadowing because. Uh, that was actually with my family in on vacation in Florida, and we walked into a store, and I was I just I was so happy to be there. It was like oh yes, and I just we took the picture. It was just me being a little dancer in spirit, you know, and and but then eventually, actually, what happened later was when I was of all places living in Maine, Southern Maine, I met my hula teacher, <laughs> um, Victoria Boucher, whose family uh, tradition is Samoan. And she grew up in California. They, they did, they just, it was just entertainment hula that they did as a family. And so she was sharing it as a teacher in Maine of all places. So I had the, the, the blessing and the honor of working with her and performing with her as, you know, in backup and support as, as she shared her culture. Oh my gosh. That's so interesting. A man of all places. Cause when I was introduced yeah, to all places. Tahitian, 
I was introduced to it in Texas when my dad was, was of all places you would think, you know, when you think who is Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, when you look back, you're like, yeah, but dance is, dance is everywhere. Everywhere. Dance is. Spirit shows us, right. And puts Mm -hmm. it in play in, in in play places it in places, you know, seeds. Tahitian dance is just amazing. I just so beautiful. It is. I so sometimes beautiful. I wonder if I would go back to it because that was what I started with. And I, I dance with a collective where uh, one of the women competes. She competes and trains in it. Right. Well, before COVID, she yeah, was right. traveling and competing and it, you know, it's a very intense. And when she's introduced the movement again in our work, in our collective work, it's a, it's a lot of time spent on basic stuff, which you understand, you know, when you go back to foundational things, it's really, it's really important. And like, for instance, um, your experience in belly dance, mm-hmm. how did that transition from, okay, you, you, you know, you started as a dancer, dance was your, your first passion before mm-hmm. getting into these other movement modalities. How did you find belly? Like, how was it that you got interested in belly dance and then that developing into the, you know, part of your healing modalities that you, um, you take your clients through? Yeah, that's, that's another interesting question. And, uh, funny how that, how it works again, another parallel, it goes back to as a child, I didn't start studying belly dance as a child, but I recognized it as a child. You know, this is like 1973 or something, you know, being at a Middle Eastern restaurant and seeing a woman dancing at the restaurant. So powerful, so beautiful, so, um, you know, magical and uh, so open. And I was just struck. It was like, what is this? What is happening? Who is this? This she is. I would, you know, awe in awe. Um, And it just planted a seed. You know, that's where the seed was planted. And and then fast forward, it was not until my 20s. I was always, you know, I was a social dancer. I danced all kinds of ways, you know, again, growing up in the 70s and everything. Um, I was even a disco queen. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was always about, I always had to move my hips. I mean, that was just always there in transit. It just had to happen, you know. And so in my 20s, I knew that I was uh, I was drawn to... I was drawn to belly dance and um, it was, I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and this was in the nineties. And uh, concurrently I was starting to do work to, with a spiritual teacher and guide to heal myself at the same, because I was, you know, really hitting this place of, okay, I've got to do something because I'm really literally going to just completely lose it. So it was kind of all happening at the same time, you know? Um, So I, started studying. A friend of mine was a beautiful dancer and it just kind of opened a door. And from there I found, you know, started taking classes and getting my foundations. And I just um, felt this calling and I, I, it was so healing for me. It was part of my own healing. And I, I, you know, I'll, I won't go, I guess if you ever want me to say anything about that, but, um, but it was just very life-changing. And I felt the calling to share dance as a healing art at that point. Um, also concurrently, what was happening is I was, stu- I was studying body work. I was, that was the opening of starting to work with the belly with breath work and energy work and um, meditation, guided visualization, all of that. And so it was just kind of like, 
my own process of healing has never kind of been separated from my own callings and growth and studies. Not that I'm, I'm healing everything in myself that I'm working with other people with exactly, but it's always been a path of healer, heal thyself. You know, I love that. Oh gosh. I love that. I think we've made a lot of strides in terms of mental health and uh, wellness in the last, you know, couple years and stuff. And I'm still mm-hmm. learning so much about mm-hmm. it. But yeah. I, when I was going through my own things, I felt like it wasn't like we were talking earlier about, oh, my feelings are not important. This is, I'm just imagining things or I'm just, this is not really trauma. This is not worth giving attention to because it's it's just my own issue kind of thing mm-hmm. like it's not important it's not important enough to be addressed because my feelings are not important that, oh, that was my own thing so yeah. for you when you were going through this in the beginning did you feel like you weren't able to validate your feelings and or did you feel like you know what I'm I'm going through this and and I you know I'm healing through this and this is important like were you able to give yourself that space and permission to go through that or did you question was there a conflict within of questioning you know is it am I do I just need to get over myself do I, is this important you know what were what were the kind of things that you were going through in that process if that makes sense um like just you mean kind of beginning the healing kind of the really focused committed self healing journey in that place yeah and, yeah in that yeah. place of and then did you question that you need that it was important or did you or you did you know like you know I need to do this and this is important because for like for me just in my experience I just felt like there's something wrong with me but I'm I'm not important enough to this is not important enough to dr- address it like this is not because of the I don't know the stigma or the you know like I'm weak kind of thing does that make sense absolutely and you're giving such such important voice to a, a message that is so prevalent uh, you know I mean just that we get to the place where we kill ourselves instead of you know it, it, it's it's yes it's, it's absolutely not alone in any way shape or form in that in that because that's part of just a whole indoctrination that we're we're facing to heal we're at crisis this is all of our stuff that's been pushed under the rug for our human history that's all up now <laughs> you know yes um to just say very you know i mean that's a big statement but i mean i think most of us many of us can agree to that i don't know but um so yes and, uh, you know, and also just to say this healing process, it is continual. It's a continual lifelong a process because we're always discovering more and learning more and transmuting more and doing it for ourselves and also for the collective, you know, and, and we do that just by being human beings. We do that. And some of us are also called that that's actually what we're, you know, kind of our, our, that's what spirits, you know, kind of set us here to do, you know, um, but absolutely. Well, in the complexity of being a human, I was both, both were happening for me. Um, the big turning point, uh, and I've had many turning points. Oh my goodness. My life, I've been saved 10 million times, <laughs> down, gone back up. but, um, but uh, so the, a, a big, huge turning point was when I was 25 and, you know, my body had been breaking down, you know, I was just on that edge. And that was like my huge awakening um, to start making that change, right? But in that process, I so I was up against the wall 
And I knew I needed to do something because, you know, it was like, I was basically kind of metaphorically standing at the edge of a cliff. Like I was going to lose it completely, like even physically everything. And I was young, you know, I was physically active mean, because it was emotional, it was trauma too. And it was a spiritual awakening to heal that legacy of fear-based reality that impacts our bodies, that impacts us on every level. And so I knew I needed to do it, but at the same time, I went forward to do it and I was absolutely terrified. You know, it was like I knew I needed to do something, but when I started to do it, because part of my process was I really had um, just I idealized so much in my family dynamic because a lot of it was going back to first understanding my own story from my own perspective and, you know, developing that relationship with my, my younger self and my perspectives and those feelings that are in there in the heart, you know, they get buried so that we can open our hearts, you know, and let that love in. And so I was very conflicted because I, and I love my family. I love them to bits to this day. And there's been so much healing, you know, so much healing that's happened and it's beautiful. Um, but there was also a lot of injury, you know, in my family, there was trauma, there was addiction, there was abuse, you know, and there were hugs and kisses and laughter and magic and creative expression and, you know, amazing, you know, amazingness. And so I was very protective of that. I didn't want to go there. I didn't think I had the right, even though my body was breaking down, even though I was on the edge of losing my mind in so much pain and in, you know, I did not think that I had the right to speak about my perspective because I had it so good. That was my kind of role. I was supposed to have had it so good, but yet this child was traumatized and damaged as well. You see, and so it can be a real conflict to want to dig that stuff up and to also want to face, because not everybody has high levels of trauma or, you know, who, who wants to, I'm not even going to scale trauma. You know, it's like humans, we all deserve love. We all deserve to heal. We all deserve to make peace with our stories. I don't care where, what you, you know, what that story is. It's, it's all sacred healing work. You know, I hope that's making sense. It is. Yes. Yeah. So it was, it was a real, it was a real struggle and um, it, it, you know, there's not, it's not been this kind of like smooth, perfect road. You know, we go into our places where we, we have our blind spots or we, um, we have our places of denial or we, you know, they're just places we have to keep being, accountable. And it's so important to have loving people around us, you know, because we're not perfect, you know, and to give us, give each other that grace and that space to, to, to find our, our courage to face our wounds, you know, and our imperfections and our mistakes or or our trespasses, however we want to look at it, you know, our shortcomings, our you know, whatever are done, you know, in a lifetime, there's so much. That compassion that is necessary in the healing process. Do you find that with most of the women that you work with, that you have to address that a lot? Or what, what would you say is the commonality 
especially in this interesting COVID pandemic time that we've all been experiencing, the women that you've been working with, uh, are is there a commonality in their experiences that they're coming to you? Are they are you finding most of them coming to you for one specific thing? And are they having a hard time being compassionate to themselves in the process? Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's one specific thing, you know, it may be, it may be different for, um, you know, certain physical symptoms showing up that people want to, and it opens up to that or, or, um, you know, they're doing their, they're doing their mental health recovery and, you know, something wasn't, working, they needed something in in peace or to get their life back or, um, or, um, you know, or sometimes a portal is, you know, because I'm also work with core issues. So, you know, just healing the core. And then it's like, oh, wow, there was all this other stuff going on, because our bellies will reflect those things, you know, our bellies and um, our digestion or whether we're dealing with core dysfunctions of different kinds. So it can look a lot of different ways. Um, but compassion is absolutely always there. <laughs> it's always about <laughs> compassion is always part of that process, you know, absolutely. Now, what would you say about dance therapy in terms of being compassionate to yourself? Cause we were talking a little bit about the whole like performance aspect putting yourself out there, you know, the whole, at least for me, the stigma of, oh, I don't, you know, I don't look like this kind of dancer, or I don't fit into what, you know, society says a dancer should look like or be like, or what their body type is. Yeah. How, how um, did you ever have a challenge with, with that in terms of, you know, as you were going through your dance career, um, you know, your performance experiences and working with other dancers, has that was that something personal for you that you had to go or was that never an issue it was just the other stuff that you were um, working through so it's interesting I mean I guess always for me it was it was more about my even in performing it's always been more about that spirit connection you know I don't Mm. know it's always been that Mm -hmm. because I don't it doesn't mean that you don't get concerned about doing a good job or anything but it was always more about that. Um, and I think because I, I, I'm a funny one that way, I kind of have always been a, a skimmer of the, the kind of dance performance reality. I've always been like, I never really fit into, I never related to that. I never, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I came here to do. I guess it always mm. looked very, I, I was always struck by it. It disturbed me. You know, it mm-hmm. always disturbed me. Um, and and then, you know, kind of being introduced. I mean, I performed younger, you know, but I wasn't like a performing kid. You know what I mean? Like a, a kid performer in that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I performed because I loved it, you know. Um, but I, I think as an adult, a young adult, you know, I was more introduced to performance through belly dance, which the way I was introduced – I mean, yeah, I saw things. There were things there for sure. But it was so much more, I find it to be as a dance form in general, the culture of it tends to be so much more body positive than other dance forms. I mean, I've seen women of all shapes and sizes Mm -hmm. and backgrounds and everything. It's like, you just 
you're just beautiful because you're yes. you're a woman because you exist. I mean, and men are beautiful too. Men do it too, you know, of course. I was more in the women's circles doing it, but um, at least that was always the intention what I was around. There were other stuff. There was other stuff going on, of course, <laughs> you know, that needed to be <laughs> healed. I've seen the competitiveness and, you know, different things, but I always found it to be much more that way. So, um, yeah, I, I was... I just never really related as much to that. And and I guess it's it's part of my purpose that I would come in as this kind of a little bit of like a Martian or something around the the performing dance community. I just I just had a different thing going on. That's why I love that that you know that you are that, you know your mission and what you stand for and your you know everything that you do is so opposite of what the no, don't get me wrong. I love entertainment. You know, oh, we yeah, both, me as, too. you know, oh, I love creative. Love, creative, love, I love it. you know, we both, I love would like perform. to perform the rest of my life. I mean, I yes. love performance and I, I just, oh my goodness. So respect performers. Oh my gosh. It's, you know, everything about dance and movement is like, I, I get so geeky about it. Like I could talk about it for 24 hours. <laughs> oh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I didn't realize like it took me seeing, um, well, obviously, you know, getting older and having different perspectives and, and experiences, but I saw a, uh, a couple of years ago, I saw a physical, they would call it like physical theater. And mm-hmm. it's, I wouldn't say it's like it, there's dance in it, but there's so many, so much more movement wise. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is dance. This is movement. This is performance. This is emotion. This is like gut wrenching. Like this makes me question and really think about, okay, why, why do I want to move this? You know, why, what's, what's important to me as, as a mover, as you know, what, what is it that I want to embody? And that's been a a process for me. Like, and like what you were saying, like you didn't relate to that kind of, you know, what I was asking about. And for me, I was like, that was so much my goal of I want to be like that. I want to look like that. I want people to perceive me like that. But in reality, it's like, you know, I love what dance does for me internally and realizing it has helped me heal so many things and being able to incorporate other modalities that support that and knowing that, you know, our ancestors and our history, this is this is who we are. Like, yes. Yes. it's just, to me, it's like mind boggling and working with one of the collectives I work with, I got, you know, I got more introduced because they're very much into honoring uh, answers, ancestors and lineage and going back to, to what the purpose was of dance and movement, the ritualistic aspect of it. And, and I'm sure that you've, you know, you know, that in belly, like, I don't know a lot about belly dance. I've had belly dancers on the podcast. It's been so fascinating. Like you are all have this wonderful aura and energy and, and it's just awesome. Like I just, Oh, I just geek out about all this stuff, but dance being dance and movement being so like, just being able to embody that. And then, and I feel like coming from that place, your performance, your expression, there's a whole new dynamic and richness to it. And not that, that entertainment and all that stuff. I mean, you know, that's our culture and stuff, which I like that too, but yeah, I love it. Just in, you know, the last couple of years, I'm like, you know, if, if I could, it's more important for me as to what I feel like really honoring what I feel while I'm moving, while I'm dancing, while I'm going, because that's really like, that's the essence of it. And I I had someone comment to me about how, um, when they looked at my, 
like with my story, my transformation, they're like, it wasn't about the weight loss. It was about the energy and the vibrancy of what you were like when you were not dancing and not moving and just kind of in that to what is, you know, how your countenance is different because of, and then you had mentioned that on one of your interviews, one of your podcast interviews about when you see someone dance, you just see, you see a whole different energy and light when yes. some because it makes you happy, right? It yes. just, you know, and yes. I thought, and for so many years, Morgan, I thought that that wasn't important, that it was just fluff, because that's what we're taught. Oh, it's just, oh, that's, you know, it's a, it's one of those things. It's just mm-hmm. like, like that art is not important. And like, it's just one of those. But, you know, we feel very differently from personal experience, obviously. <laughs> But also just the heal. I'm like, you know, there's a reason why it's music therapy and dance therapy and movement therapy and art therapy. Like this is important and you're doing important work. And you, I mean, the way that you show up, Morgan, and just what you offer women and like, amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Like for what you do. You know, my pleasure. Believe (laughs) me, it saves my life too. I, you know. Um, I couldn't, uh, it's gotten me through the pandemic, honestly, dancing and dancing with nature and moving into it's a trance state, you know, and um, my, you know, one of my, part of my spiritual guides are dragons. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they let me know, you can go to the blue green waters, but you have to carry your ancestral medicine in your heart. Mm. And so even though I don't, you know, with European ancestry, we don't always know some of our uh, technically heritage from because of the witch burnings, the inquisition, but it's in ourselves, it's in our hearts, it's in our spirits. And mother earth is calling all of her children back to remember, to dance, to remember, you know, to heal. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. I just love this so much. So I have um, a question about kind of, I guess a hack or a best practice in terms of the, you know, your work that you do. If, if a memory or something comes out of the blue and triggers you and you feel that knot in your stomach or that, you know, that, you know, Mm. what would be one or two things you would, you would advise someone to do on that? Would it be taking a deep breath or something else? Something, I mean, what would you say about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a really important question too, of course, because it's happening a lot <laughs> these days. Yes. <laughs> um, always was, but so much acutely. So definitely the first thing is, yeah, just recognizing, stepping back and recognizing, oh, something's up, you know, giving yourself that perspective in that simple way, because then you, then you're not just in it. You're like, okay, something's up right? And absolutely to find, take that moment, even in, even if it's just a few seconds or a few minutes to take that moment, to find that stillness in that breath, to take that breath. Because the breath starts to, you know, trauma or triggers that kind of speeds things up, right? Our nervous system gets triggered to that, that survival fast. So to take that breath is to slow down and give some space. And then sending that breath down into the body, down into the earth to connect into her center because she's there to support us. I could go on with the tips, but you know, those are some places to to start if you're if you're wanting a couple of just 
I and like I, that. I just because- to remember that we're not alone. We go back to just in that moment when you're connecting with Mother Earth, you are we are divinity. We are connected. Be in that light and recognize you are a beloved child of spirit, always loved, and you're you're not alone. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. Even if you're not feeling it for yourself in that moment, you are loved. You are seen. You are celebrated. You, it's just always there for us. We just have to plug into it. I think that is so impactful and so amazing because what you were saying about breathing into Mother Earth and not just because I what I was thinking was just more like the logical of, okay, I just need to breathe more into my belly. But no, it goes deeper than that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, deeper. I support people, you know, to take it deeper into that, you know, because it's an anchoring, you know, because anchoring, can I our, love that kind of leave our bodies when that trigger happens could get to find safe space we leave, you know. And so it's like, okay, let me just center back because she's offering that to us. She gives us that. We honor it, you know. That's so encouraging. I love that. Oh my gosh. So to uh, round out our conversation, which I wish could go on for a long, long time. (laughs) This is so fun for me and just so Uh, inspiring. Oh my gosh. I love this. Thank you. Thank you. So my first question is, uh, what is the dance style that you haven't tried, but would like to and why? Oh, that's a, oh, (laughs) well, gosh. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Oh, well, I'm kind of curious about, I guess, because I've tried so many different things, not necessarily getting good at them or performing them. Um, The Lindy Hop. Oh, cool. I I mean, with a really strong partner who wouldn't drop me. (laughs) Be gentle. Please be gentle. Oh my gosh. So you haven't done any, have you done many uh, ballroom or social dance? Um, not like, you know, as in, oh, I became a ballroom dancer, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean a little bit, I, I mm-hmm. love Latin ballroom. Oh my goodness. I oh couldn't my say gosh. that because I love it. I actually am crazy about it. And I love the costume <laughs> since the nineties. I mean, uh, but mm. at the same time I w- didn't say that because I've at least, you know, been dancing to salsa since the eighties. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to like think something that I really have never tried, you know? But yeah. Yeah, I I love both of those too. I I would really love to get into partner dancing that way. Just to it's a different experience, you know. Yeah, definitely uh, I, different experience. So different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a wild child. I I you know, I'm used to just doing whatever I feel like doing and you know. <laughs> <laughs> My second question is who is your favorite dancer, choreographer and in this case also mover? Like it could be someone that is just does other type of movement modalities or teaches it? Who inspires you and why? Oh my goodness. Um, this is when I always hope I don't forget names. My memory doesn't <laughs> lapse on me. You know, it's really hard for me to say um, just one. Uh, I, I, I really, know, you know, I mean, there are amazing pr- people in, you know, contemporary society, of course, I do like, a. I like, I do like vintage dancers. I do mm, like vintage. Mm-hmm. I, I really resonate a lot with vintage era. It's, you know, a Catherine Dunham is one dancer. I just, I mean, if she's definitely one that I deeply respect, she's such a pioneer. Yes. Such a pioneer in all of her work in her 
I mean, amazing. So, I mean, I'll say one. I mean, there are a few more, but, you know, I can certainly, <laughs> she can certainly stand on her own if you want one, that's for sure. <laughs> who would be some of the other ones? I'm curious, who would be some of the other ones? Um, Martha Graham. Isadora Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's like a list. I, I, I'm trying to <laughs> think of who, who else. Um, I mean, those are, those are all, you know, uh, on, you know what, this is going to might strike you funny because, um, but I'm trying to think of her name from Brazil, from Brazil. I mean, I know her name and my mind is, is wandering. I mean, my memory. Is uh, she a modern dance? Was she no, post-modern? She, she, no, she was, uh, she's a Brazilian singer and dancer, nightclubs, movies, Night- Carmen Miranda. Oh, Car- Carmen Miranda, <laughs> but she was a real pioneer. She dealt with a lot. She dealt with a lot and she really broke through a lot of things, you know? Um, yeah. I noticed a lot of in going back when, well, before dance history was not so important to me, but in going back and doing the podcast and then talking to different people of just different people in history of what they've had to go through to overcome, to do their art or just things they were dealing with that obviously informed their art. But uh, I recently watched this production called Unraveled where uh, my guest played uh, Ida Rubinstein. I think that's how you pronounce it. She was with with Ballet Russe and Diaghilev. And just like the stuff that she, she was, she was a rebel too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she was yeah. like, you know, she, and she didn't fit into the whole ballet kind of, I love studying people like that now. Like it really encourages love, me, you know? Yes. Yeah. To remember that if you, if you have a vision for something, it's not, it's not about, it's not really about fitting in. And that's what I have to yes. tell myself too. I have mm-hmm. to tell myself that. And because you know, it's, it's about bridging, certainly finding the people that will bridge with you. You can't force it on anybody, but at the same time, it's, you know, as a wise woman said to me once, you know, I mean, the creative path is, is no joke. It's not, this is not club med, you know, that's what she's <laughs> saying. You know, I mean, yeah. she's, you know, remind, it's a, such an important reminder. I mean, taking a, a, the creative path is um, it's a very specific kind of thing. It may look different ways, but it's, it's really no joke. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Love that. My last question is what is the dance style that is currently describing your day right now? And why the dance style that is currently describing my day, this what day, dance, dis- this right, right now, as we're talking, what kind of dance are you feeling like? <laughs> oh, um, Hmm. I'd say, well, I just call it meditative dance, meditative dance. You know, it's cloudy. It's, it's kind of dark and, you know, and walking through a big, my own internal passage at this time, you know, more growth and clearing and self-belief and all of that good stuff, you know, and, and being very gentle, very gentle with the nervous system, very gentle with the heart. Mm -hmm. That's a great reminder for all of us. Oh my gosh. That, I am a huge believer of meditation. I used to like 
shun it. I used to shun a lot of different things. Yoga, I was like, no, that's not for me. This is not for me. And now I totally embrace it because mm-hmm. it's helped me so much. It's been part of the healing process, part of the journey. Absolutely. And I dance, I mean, dance is, mm-hmm. you, you can, we, and I, this is something I feel very strongly. I mean, I use dance as meditation. So it is, we can move in dance meditation, you know? Yes. And, yes. And because that is part of the way we were designed. It That's part of that legacy. Um, our human roots is trance, going into trance. So that's the healing state. We've tried people do, you know, the recreational drugs, the, the, uh, you know, the self-abusive stuff. We're trying to get to that healing state. And we can do that naturally as well through movement, breath, and intention. Agreed. Agreed. 10,000%. <laughs> and the journey continues. <laughs> and it is so exciting and so it's worth it. Like you said, the creative path is specific, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's so worth it. I can't even, oh, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's life. It's life. It is life. life. Oh, it is life. And yeah. to me, oh, to me, this is life having conversations with amazing creatives as yourself that, that are doing important work, necessary work, impactful work. And thank you so much, Morgan for spending this time with me and for inspiring me and encouraging me. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to find out more about Morgan, which I highly recommend, go to M-O-R-G-Y-N-D-A-N-A-E.com. I'll link it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Morgan. This has been so wonderful for me. Thank you, Annette. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.